Remember Leroy Worship. Leroy still has AFib, and he goes tomorrow to get the results of the test. Uh, so pray for him. Ricky Gibson uh, was in Waco, had a heart failure there, had a heart attack, and uh, he is out of the hospital, but pray for him. We've been praying for Miss Barbie, and she's here with us today. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Ms. Barbara McDaniel, uh, continue to pray for her. And, and Pat Westbrook, uh, is, uh, we still pray for Pat. And uh, Lane and Lindsay McClough, all of those have COVID. And Brother Case uh, got over his, was ready to come, and Brittany tested positive yesterday. So he's locked up on vacation again. Uh, he's got to take more vacations than he's ever seen. But pray for him. Case and Brittany and, and then uh, there and then, then Kimberly and uh, Compton and the boys. Ms. Beulah is here with us. We prayed for her. She's got a low blood count. We've got more tests coming up. They've been in the hospital and out of the hospital for the last week. So remember them. And then with cancer this morning, remember Sheila Connor and, and Ms. Carolyn Northcutt, Janelle Brown, Laquita Cummings, George Strain, and Rhonda Rancourt. All of those have cancer taking treatments and awaiting surgery. Then Miss Betty Wilson and Betty Hutton, both of those dear sweet saints of God, coming to the end of their life. And uh, man, just pray for them, the grace of God. Remember our military and our policemen, our firemen. Remember all of the decisions that are being made all around us, the government, different things that are happening. Uh, God's still in control. Amen. Praise the Lord. Pray with me. God, we again come before your throne, thanking you for giving us the privilege. Lord, when you tore that curtain from the top to the bottom and you opened up your throne room to us, what a glorious day that was. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to remember these and to touch those that need healing and to encourage those that need encouragement. Lord, today, we need you more than we've ever needed you before. God, would you visit this place in a supernatural way? We sense your presence in this place. And ask you, Lord, to help us not to stifle what the Holy Spirit of God wants to do in this service. But, Lord, have your way in every one of our lives. Let the glory of God come down. And, Lord, one more time before we see you in, in heaven. And, Lord, you know every one of us, uh, we came in here a needy people. We came in here a hurting people. But in reality, we came in here a very blessed people. You've been so good to us. So have your way. We rejoice and praise the sweet, precious name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Say our scripture, a new one for us today. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the call according to his purpose. Romans 8:28. Amen.
So God's working things out. I appreciate uh, appreciate your prayers and all in, in all of that. Let me encourage you. I just got a, a note that Barry Miller uh, is going. He's had a stress test. It was abnormal. He's going in regional Tuesday for a heart cast. So remember Barry and, and uh, that family there. Turn, if you would, to the book of Exodus, chapter 35. Thank you again for joining us this morning. Thank you if you're listening by live stream. Remember... Uh, lightning hit our equipment, so we're still limping through. Insurance is paid. Everything's been ordered. We're just waiting, uh, you know, like everybody else for everything else. 
Uh, so hopefully it'll be solved and we'll be back to normal soon. But thanks for it. Uh, I know the sound is not the greatest in the world, but we, it is better than than most places. So I mean, you know, it's great. You know, other than having to see somebody up here, you know, chords and all that. But it's good. Exodus chapter 35, beginning in verse 30. Would you stand please and honor God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? The Bible says, Moses said unto the children of Israel, See, the Lord hath called by name Bezaliel, the son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And he filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner of workmanship. And to devise curious works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass, and in the cutting of stones to set them, and in the carving of wood to make any manner of cunning work. Father, we thank you this morning. I pray this morning our, our prayer would be what Chloe's already sung, that we would run to the Father. Whatever need we have in our lives today, we come in here a needy people. May we run to the Father and seek you above all else. Ask you to have your way in this service. Speak to our hearts, Lord Jesus. And we're asking you to do something maybe you've never done before in this place. God, manifest yourself. May we leave here saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The key text in the book of Exodus is Exodus chapter 3, the first 12 verses. That's the setting for Moses in the uh, wilderness. Now, he's been there 40 years. He started out uh, uh, in, in the courts of Pharaoh and the colleges and institutions there. And God revealed his presence to him in a burning bush. The bush never was consumed. And God said, I want you, Moses, to take my people and lead them out of Egypt, lead them out of slavery, lead them out of bondage, and carry them to Canaan land. Of course, Moses immediately began to say, I can't do that, Lord. There's too many different reasons why I can't, but there's no way. It's impossible. And God says this. He said, Moses, I'll be with you. And then he says this. This shall be a sign for you that I've sent you. When you brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. Now, that seemed to be no big deal to Moses. And uh, uh, not anything at all. He wasn't satisfied with that response. And so he wanted more signs. And God was graceful and he gave him more signs. But, but basically God is saying this. The sign you really need is one of these days you're going to worship me on that mountain. You're going to worship me on that mountain. Now I submit to you this morning that the Lord Jesus Christ made the same promise to all of us. When he went away in John 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you on yourself. Why? So that you can be where I am, is what he said. Literally, when all of this thing's over with, we're going to worship God on the mountain. It's going to be a glorious time in heaven. Now, when you first receive that promise, it seems like a long way off. It seems like a far way off. The older we get, though, it seems sooner and sooner. It gets a little closer and a little closer. And not only age, look look around at what's going on in this world. I mean, th this world is, is, is ripe for the Lord Jesus Christ to come. I mean, I, 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 hmm, I, I quit waiting to listen to the trumpet. I'm looking for it literally. 
I think he's coming any moment. I pray he'd come before today. Uh, bless God, we wouldn't have to fly out of an airport and we wouldn't have to get in late and drive. Uh, woo, just come on right now, Lord Jesus. You say, I'm not ready. You've got about 30 seconds to get ready. You better get ready. You better be ready. Every word of God is going to be fulfilled. Everything. There's not going to be one unfilled thing left in this Bible. And Jesus is ready to come now. Now there's a lot of water under the bridge from, from Exodus chapter 3 to Exodus chapter 40. A lot, lot of things have gone on. And literally, I just submit to you that the whole purpose of God is hanging on by a thread. Have you ever been there? Where it seemed like your whole life was just hanging on by a thread? I mean, it could, it could break at any minute. Maybe it was a three-strap rope and two of them have already broken and there's just one left and it's frayed. It's looking like it's fixing to break any given time. When you begin to look back at what has happened here, the purpose hung on a thread. When God's man that was going to redeem Israel out of Egypt is put in a basket and placed out in the Nile River. I mean, that's the whole kingdom of God put on a thread. And then, of course, Pharaoh's daughter sees him, takes him in. But the purpose is hung on a, a thread again. When after 40 years of all of his training, he sees an Egyptian abusing an Israelite and he murders the Egyptian. And the man that God's chosen to redeem Israel now is running to the wilderness trying to hide. I mean, you're talking about a thread. The whole kingdom of God is on a thread. Hmm. Well, it doesn't get any better. <laughs> uh, he does come back and, and go to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh literally means big house. And Pharaoh refuses to let the people go. And then God sends a plague. He says yes, and then he says no. He sends another plague. He says yes, and then he says no. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. Finally, Pharaoh says, get out of here. After the 10th plague, he said, get out of here. We don't want to see y'all anymore. Take the gold, take the silver. Get, every, get out of here. And so they get out. But it's on the thread again. Because after the Passover, they're there at the Red Sea. There's nowhere to go. They can't walk on water. They look in their mirror and here comes the entire Egyptian army barreling down on them. The whole kingdom of God and His purpose is on a thread once again. But God does a miracle. He opens the Red Sea. They go through on dry ground. He closes it up, destroys the entire Egyptian army. You'd think there'd be some celebration. No, they're hungry. And so the whole kingdom of God is based on a thread again because they don't have any food. God does a miracle. He sends manna. They're thirsty. God does a miracle. He sends water. And then when, it, when you think, well, you know, things may be looking pretty good. Moses is up on Mount Sinai and God says, better leave, Moses. Get out of them people there. They've corrupted themselves. They've already built a golden calf. The whole plan of God, the whole purpose of God is hanging on a thread. Hmm. If you summarize all of this, 
you would find there are three key instances to their life, and they're the same three that hit us. The first one is evil. Evil stood in the way of the nation Israel being able to leave uh, Egypt. Evil was there. So well, thank God we don't have nobody named Pharaoh. No, we've got his twin brother, the devil. That's who Pharaoh was representing. Folks, we need to remember that people are not the enemies. They may talk bad to you. They may think bad of you. But they're not the enemies. They're victims of the enemy. The enemy we have had, we do have, and we shall have until Jesus comes again is Satan himself. That's the enemy that we're having facing. And all around us, evil is everywhere. I mean, shooting people just drive by shooting them just for the heck of it. I mean, just destruction on, on every hand. Evil is everywhere. These are times when it seems like the purposes of God for our lives are just hanging on by a thread. And it's times when it looks like those who are proposing evil, they're doing better than those who are trying to live righteously for God. But this is not the end of the book. Don't give up. Evil is here. And we got to deal with evil. The next thing is hardship. There are hardships that stand in our way. There were hardships that stood in there. Can you imagine three million people with babies and, and goats and oxen and all that? And they're going to load up and move out? And then they get to the Red Sea. Can you imagine what, I don't know, maybe not three million, maybe a million and a half. <laughs> Somewhere from a million and a half to three million. And, and they begin to get anxious. And they're saying, oh, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Why'd you bring us out here to die? I'd been better if we'd just stayed over there in Egypt. All of this stuff going on, hardships. I, uh, I'll be real vague with this. But for the last six months, I haven't been able to move. My joints kill me. I, I, I can't walk. I can't, I can't do nothing. So I decided this week, they won't give me the medicine I want, so I just had some left over from a year ago. Now, I'm going to have to rob a drugstore or something after about 30 days. I've got a 30-day supply. But I can now move around, and I can, I can walk, and I can jump, and I, you know, hardships. You know, some of us are at the age where if it don't hurt, that means it's probably broke. So we thank God sometimes for the pain. Amen? Hardships, different ones of you have gone through hardship after hardship, evil, hardship, and then failure was the other thing. It's ooh, when when you fail, it's like a gut punch. I mean, you you got the wind knocked out of you there. Uh, severe failure in our own lives. We're, we're like Paul. The things that we say we're not going to do, we find ourselves doing. The things we say I'm going to do, we find ourselves not doing there. Oh, wretched man that I am. But thank God Romans 8 comes. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Yeah, there's evil. Yes, there's hardship. Yes, there's failure. I was just thinking about this. I don't know whether they did, they did or not, but when this tabernacle is completed and God's presence is dwelling there, I believe they probably looked back and said, you know what? It was only in the wilderness 
then we have an opportunity to do something for God. You say, what does that mean? I mean this. After they're out of the wilderness and they're in Canaan land, God's got everything for them. After we leave this earth here and we're with God, He's already got everything set up. There's nothing else. If you want to do anything for the glory of God, I would tell you now's the time you need to get off your blessed assurance and roll up your sleeves and do it for the glory of God. Because where we're going, it's all going to be done. We're going to rejoice and we're going to worship. I don't know what all is going to happen. But I know this. Nobody can be saved up there. Because everybody up there is already saved. we got folk right here in this place this morning that your greatest need is not a better job or a bigger house or a, or a nicer spouse. The biggest need you have is to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, repent of your sins, and let Him become Lord and Savior of your life. That's the greatest need you've got. There are others in this place today. You know you've been saved, but your greatest need, you hadn't been with God in so long, you wouldn't recognize Him if you got hung up in an elevator with Him. Your greatest need is to get to this altar and say, Oh God, I, I need you. And run to the Father. Mm. Throughout the endless ages when we're with Him, there's not any more opportunity to do anything for Him. Only right now. Only right now, Peter makes it clear that we're priests, we're a royal priesthood, and the priests were very important in, uh, in, 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 in these last chapters here of Exodus here. The priests had a daily routine. They had to approach the brazen altar. If you look over in, in uh, Exodus chapter 38, verses 1 through 10 or 12 there, You'll find how the altar was made there. It was a hollow box shaped out of, uh, of Alcaea, acacia wood. And uh, it measured seven and a half foot by four and a half foot tall, overlaid with brass. And suspended in this box was a brass grate. And the fire was down in the bottom of the box. It wasn't in the top. You say, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. I think what it means. It means that we don't need to spend our time necessarily dealing with all the symptoms. That's what we love to do. We need to dig down deep and get down to the root of the problem. That's where you're going to, that's where you're going to burn the sin up down there in the grate. You're just going to deal with symptoms. He said it, the fire's down deep. It's in there. And so it shows us that sin's got to be burned out of our lives. Leviticus teaches us that every day the priest would put on a linen clothing. They would take a special pan. They would take a special shovel that was designed for this purpose. And they would pick up all the ashes from the burnt offering. And then they would begin what basically we call a funeral march. They'd march it through town, out the gate of the city, and uh, uh, ceremonial, ceremonially dispose of it. Now, let me just hit you with four things here and we're through. Okay? Uh, number one, the priest. We're all priests in this place today. We're all ministers. Their job here, our job now, their job was to identify and provide solution for sickness. The, our job is to minister in the same way. We ought to be looking for people who have needs. That's what a New Testament church is all about. We take care of one another. We aren't healed ourselves, so we can't heal anybody else. 
Some of the other things is we're, we're too caught up in ourselves. You ever been talking to somebody and that, that my toenail is killing me, my foot is hurting me, and you say, well, I just had major heart surgery, had four bypasses, and they ain't heard a word you said. They're still on that toe. They still, you know, sometimes we're so caught up in ourselves that we don't see what anybody else is going through. And as priests, we need to open up and say, look, get your eyes off yourself. Let's minister to other people. And, and sometimes we're afraid of contamination. Sometimes we don't want to get involved in it because helping people is a messy subject. Life would be good if we didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> but the problem is, every one of us are in the same boat. And then there's another reason why we're not too quick to help in this matter. We're afraid somebody's going to ask us something that we can't give the remedy for. Now, tongue in cheek, I have discovered that it's not a sin to say, let's circle the wagons and come back to that. <laughs> Amen? I'm just telling you, there's some things that happen in your life and happen in the kingdom of God. I can't explain. Say, preacher, what just happened? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why it happened. I'm not God. But I do know one thing. He knows why it happened. And He's in control of it there. And so we ought to be spending our life ministering to other people. And you do a marvelous job with that. I, I, I praise God for this church, the different ministries that you have. Uh, and, and this week, one of our missionaries, I guess, for what, 25 years, this church has supported that family long before I came. And uh, had a heart attack, died, or, or COVID, I guess it was. I, I'm not even sure. But anyway, young man in the Philippines. His daddy was a pastor before him. We supported him. And he died several years ago. And now the youngest of the brothers is going to pick up the mantle and carry on there in the Philippines. Hey, there's hardship on every hand. And it doesn't pick and choose. It happens to all of us. We need to, to be ministering to people. But the next job of the priest was to transport the glory. To transport the glory of God. Not to walk around here like you've been beat up with a rubber mallet or something, you know. I mean to put a smile on your face and say, look, I've been with God this morning. The glory of God's on me. You don't have to tell nobody. They'll know it automatically. They'll know it. You don't have to tell anybody. But you see, the only way you can transport the glory of God is to get holy before the Lord. You can't have unconfessed sin in your life and transport the glory of God. It don't work that way. You've got to get rid of that sin. Some this morning, I mean, you've been holding on to things. Don't you think it's about time you turn that loose? Give that over to God. Run to the Father and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive them. Forgive whoever. But God, I need a clear conscience. I need a clear mind. I want the glory of God to shine through me. Then the third thing here is their job was to remove the ash. Now the ash would keep the sacrifice from being burned. It'd get in the way. Most of our staff here, uh, it is because of one of our generosity of one of our men, most of our staff has one of these pit smokers. Everybody's works good except mine. I've almost burned my house down three times with it. <laughs> and I've noticed finally what the problem is. My ashes do not get out of the way. They, they pile up. They pile up. 
and that keeps the fire from really burning until they all pile up big time. And then I look out the patio window and there's fire blazing everywhere, seven, 800 degrees. I mean, I literally, I've taken uh, a brisket off that thing with gloves. I did go get gloves and burnt to a crisp. Uh, but you knock that crisp off and just go on in the inside of there. You gotta, <laughs> amen, you, you gotta remove the ashes. And, and, and the reason some of us can't get a breakthrough at the altar is because the ashes have built up in our life. That represents the old sin. That represents the scum. And, and it builds up in our life. And it keeps us from getting through to the altar. So one of the chief things that the priest did was come with the shovel and the, and the little bucket there, the little pan, and he removed the ashes. Some of those ashes are there covered up by our hurt and our misuse and our harsh words and loneliness and brokenness there. And in the privacy of our bedrooms, when we go out in our cars, we're mourning, we're weeping, our hearts are broken. But you come in here in the church and the lights turn on and suddenly you're smiling and everything's all right. You get up to sing and you wipe the tear away so nobody can notice and you say everything's all right. We're going on with God. Everything's not all right. We need to go down there and clean out that ash heap down there. Get rid of that old sin. See, we can look past those ashes and see the smear that's caused by an angry spouse. Everybody don't have as wild as sweet as mine. Some of y'all's wife talk bad to you. Some of you men talk bad to your wife. Let me ask you, what if you talk to Jesus the way you talk to your spouse? Huh? I'm just saying. We see the blotch that's left by hateful church members. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I pray, Lord, put a cork in some of these mouths. <laughs> I mean it. I, hmm. This ought to be the place where you come. Be encouraged. This ought to be where you do your happy dance. I mean, this, this is the house of God. We, we may be needy and there's a lot of problems, but we've been blessed. The stain that's a result of somebody that's crushed your heart, you've lost your hope. The scar of a friend you thought was a real friend that ended up stabbing you in the back. I praise God, Dr. John Bassanio told me many years ago that people are always behind you, preacher. But you might turn around and check and see how far behind you they are. Because <laughs> a lot of them are way back there behind you. And you know what? We think we can hide it. We think we can conceal it. We think we can fool people and cover it up. David was one of those people. He was wounded. He was overlooked by his father. He was underestimated and mistrusted by his brothers. He was misunderstood by a king that happened to be his father-in-law. He was ridiculed by his wife. He was almost killed by his followers and closest friends. He was betrayed by his own flesh. And all of that happened before he had a moral breakdown with Bathsheba. 
So in being wounded and overlooked and mistrusted and, and almost killed and betrayed and ridiculed, what did he do? He got up every day, put his armor on, and went forward for the glory of God. He didn't quit. He didn't stop. He said, well, I, tell you, I ain't doing that no more. How many times I heard somebody say, I'm not doing anything in church anymore. I tried to do something. They didn't like it. Somebody said something about it. You know, the devil knows exactly what it'll take to put you on the sidelines from serving God. And it's a shame some of y'all ain't got no more guts than that. Armor up. Put on the armor of God. When the world is criticizing you for doing the kingdom work, they're not criticizing you. They're criticizing the king of kings. All you are is a representative. You're an ambassador for Christ. They're criticizing our Christ. Maybe David's story is your story. Hurt and lonely and helpless and despair and anguish, heartache. And then, then you've got to say, well, what, what caused all that? Any number of things. I see people that when the doctor says you've got cancer, suddenly their attitude changes. Mm. And cancer's bad. I've seen others, though, that had cancer on their deathbed, bed, praising the name of Jesus on their way out. I've seen people with Alzheimer's turn mean, but I've seen people with Alzheimer's that didn't even know who they were or who anybody else was. But you start seeing amazing grace and you see their mouth moving with it. They know those words. I would tell you, David said this in Psalm 113. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of their people. He settles a barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. In other words, what God wants to do is get you up off your ash heap this morning and say, look, I've got a job for you to do. This thing's not over yet. There's still work to be done. There's still people to be saved. There's still children to help in the midst of pain. And I know, hey, I know some of you are going through pain. Man, I look at some of you my soul, I could call some names out this morning and think, how in the world do you get ready and come up here to church with a smile on your face when I know what you're going through? Jeremiah said it like this. <laughs> he said, is there not a bomb in Gilead? Is there not a bomb today for us who are hurting? For those who are in pain today, is there no bomb still available in Jesus? I'm telling you there is. See, a bomb was used and would draw out the poison and cause it to heal without scar. Uh, Georgia came home from camp and she had two, two big skin places here where she hit the dust, hit the concrete, and uh, they were still stinking. And I said, baby, if you'll let Papa i got something that'll cure that. She said, you do? I said, yeah. I've got some monkey blood in there. In the, it comes from Kenya. It's the real stuff. It don't burn. But I'll tell you what. The next morning, she didn't have no stain. It was gone. It's gone. Hey, isn't there a bomb 
in the Lord Jesus Christ that you can come to? Isn't that what the church is all about? To encourage and uplift and strengthen one another? Some of you, I better put this real pointedly. You need to strip down your clothes. Now don't do it right now. <laughs> Some of you need to strip off your clothes and set them on fire and burn them. Because you've been walking around like a funeral dudge. And you need to put the glory of God on. You really. Let me give you this last thing. I'm through. The priest <laughs> had to keep the fire going. That was his job. Keep the fire going. Now here's the, here's the amazing thing. God is the one who lit the fire. But man is responsible to keep the fire going. See, when they're out here in the wilderness, wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier? I'm just thinking from my perspective as a pastor. Instead of trying to tell people what to do and tell them what they need to do here, wouldn't it have been a whole lot easier for God just say, hey, here's y'all's tabernacle. Oof. But he chose men to do it. Some things would be much easier in the kingdom of God today if God just did it. But the bottom line is he involves us in his work. He wants us to serve him. They had to keep the fire going there. You see, some of us are trying to warm up by a dead fire. And I want you to say right now, if the fire is dead, it's dead. You ain't going to get warm by it. Some folk are trying to warm up by false fires and strange fires. You remember Aaron's sons? They, they offered the Lord uh, strange fire. God took care of that deal. They're, they're, Southern Baptist, we, we've got a, a program for everything. I don't care what you've got. If you've got anything, we've got a program. There, there is not a day in the calendar of the Southern Baptist Convention that this Sunday, every Sunday, is we're celebrating something different. We don't need any more celebrations. We don't need any more slick programs. We don't need any more Bible conferences. Uh, not, not to get the fire going. What we need is for people to say, Lord, you started the fire. I'm going to keep the fire going. I'm going to keep. Don't settle to be on fire one time a year during the revival. We need to be on fire every day. People see us every day. We got to rekindle the fire of God in our lives. You can't afford to let it go out. because, it, And it takes daily discipline to do that. You say, well, what kind of discipline? Getting in the Word of God. And I don't mean just reading three chapters a day or running. I read the whole Bible through. Well, what'd you get out of it? Nothing. I just read it through. It's a chore to run and read this thing through. Hey, I'm talking about reading it and meditating on it and then doing what the book says do. 2 Samuel chapter 22. Thou hast girded me. That means thou hast equipped me with strength to battle. Isaiah 45. Uh, Jacob's uh, sake and Israel mine elect, I have called thee by thy name, I have surnamed thee. I am the Lord, there is none else, there is no God besides me. I have girded thee, I have strengthened thee, I have equipped thee, though thou hast not known me. 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. 
Bodily exercise is profitable a little. That's been my goal in life, but I'm changing it. But godliness is profitable in all things, having promise of the life that now is of to come. I have exercised thee and profound thee. Hebrews 13, 20. The God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen to this. That great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Listen. Make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He will equip you to do what He calls you to do. When He calls you to do something, quit wasting your time trying to argue with Him. Say, yes, Lord, yes. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And then do it to the best of your ability. 2 Timothy 6.1 The special gift of ministry you received. He said keep it stirred up. Keep it ablaze. Keep it on fire. In other words, conduct a daily heat check. Are you hot this morning? Are you on fire this morning? Or is the fire just barely burning? Mm. Or is it burning almost out? Don't settle for second best. Don't settle for second best. I'm telling you this morning, what some of you need more than anything else is to admit you're a sinner. You say, preacher, I know I'm a sinner. And then go ahead and admit there's not a thing you can do about it. Your sin is going to take you to hell. And there's not a thing you can do about it. So well, I don't want to go to hell. Well, there's something Jesus has already done. You can't do it. He's already done it. He died on Calvary for your atonement of your sin. And when you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and you submit yourself to Him, it's not some little special prayer you pray. It's surrendering everything to Him. It's saying, Lord, I can't save myself. You've got to save me. And according to my Bible, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, well, there's instances where that's not true. I know. And I'll take just a moment to explain that to you because uh, I don't want you to leave here thinking that anybody can be saved at any time. There's a time when God draws the line and says, I'm through with you. My spirit's not going to strive with you anymore. But the fact that you're here in this place today and if the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart whatsoever, that is the sign that God's not through with you yet. Now, I'll be honest with you. If you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, I wish he'd shut up so I could get out of here, you're probably gone. You're probably headed for hell. There ain't nothing nobody can do about it. Praise your That's not what we wanted to hear. I'm just telling you the truth. If I was here in that, I'd be down here crying, doing everything I could to make sure God did speak again. But you can't be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws you. And He's drawing some this morning. Maybe this morning you need a church home. You've been visiting. This, this, I mean, you know, you've been looking for something wrong here. The only thing you can find is a pastor. And, so, and I'm not going anywhere. So, I mean, you know, you've got to consider the pros and the cons. It's a great church. Great people. Tremendous. Maybe this morning, more than anything in this world, you just need to take your wife by the hand of your husband. 
Maybe young people. I didn't even mention that. Young people, do you talk to your parents the way you talk to Jesus? Maybe you need to take them by the hand and just come to this altar. Say, we've let the fire burn out. We're so mixed up in the world. we got so many things on our mind. Oh God, would you just speak? I believe he'll speak. Lord, you know our hearts today. You know every one of us in this place. Oh God, we don't want no strange fire. We, we don't want no emotional jargon. God, what we want is a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. You'd fall fresh on each one in this place today. Lord, let it begin somewhere in this place today. Have your will and your way in the lives of people that are in this place right now. Lord, we're going to thank you. We're going to expect you to do something great. Not because we're anything, but because you're everything. Have your way. In Jesus' name. Would you stand? Brother Aaron leads us. You come. God's speaking to your heart. Come on. Don't wait on anybody else.
10 of August. No Sunday night services. Everything moves to Monday night, but not tomorrow night. Uh, it starts August the 9th, okay? We always have one breather here at the beginning. Uh, and uh, that's also August. And, uh, you know, we were going to do a tag team preaching, uh, but uh, you, you know what a designated hitter is. That's somebody that uh, you bring in that really knocked the ball out of the park uh, because Brother Case is tied up with COVID and we're in Hendersonville, Tennessee all this week, all three guys of us are. Uh, we're, I made a decision. We're going to call in a designated hitter. Uh, Monday night, Brother Mark Umbo is going to be preaching. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I knew you'd like that better than us, but that's all right. We'll, we'll live with it. And then, then the rest of the month just gets better and better and better. Uh, Rock Collins, and Lloyd Scott, and, and then uh, Ergen Kaner. It's going to be a great, great month of August. And with tremendous music. Let me remind you, Shamgar, Thursday at 8.30. Uh, Eden Place uh, is this Friday. There are three classes, Denise Bowens, James Jones, and Gayla Weaver. Those three classes are hosting that. Hope you all know that. Okay, y'all do good. <laughs> uh, it'll be a great time Thursday night at 6 o'clock. And then Friday night this week is game night for adults uh, in the Fellowship Hall. 6 o'clock, bring a snack with you and be a part of that. All right? Uh, remember to pray for myself and John Paul and Nathan. We'll be going, we'll fly it out. And actually, Jennifer and Chloe are flying out with us to Dallas. And then we part ways. The guys are going to Hendersonville, Tennessee, and the ladies are going to uh, Mobile, Alabama, and end up in Lucidale, Mississippi. So, uh, uh, and they'll be there all week. And I want to tell you, I, honestly, I'm not just shooting the breeze. I want you to pray, especially for the women. Now, the men, we take care of ourselves. But the women's flight gets in at 11.07 tonight. <laughs> and the rental car place closes at 11.30. So you pray that thing's on time, uh, which is, a, I guarantee if it is, it'll be a miracle from God. Uh, so you pray it's on time. I called them, and they say they're going to wait, but, you know, People tell you whatever you want to hear over the phone, but you pray for them. We're in a, at a, at a place where we, we can take a cab, but they're going to have to drive about 35 minutes to get out of Alabama into Mississippi. Y'all need to learn how to say Mississippi over there, too. Yeah, all right? But we pray for them this week. Uh, let's see, I think that's, uh, that's it. All right, let's meet uh, uh, to... Uh, here, let's see. Avery, Avery, come if you would. Avery invited Jesus into her heart a couple of weeks ago, and she wants to come and make it public now and follow the Lord in baptism. How do you receive her? Great <laughs> come if you would. Just stand right here. That's yeah, good. Great come if your mom and dad, mom and dad, mom and grandmother come with him there. Braden was at children's camp this week and gave his heart and life to Jesus. <laughs> give these around here Christian Fellowship. Welcome them. Listen, remember uh, if God saved you, if God touches you in the light, don't you get in the car and let the devil in the darkness tell you something against what God's already told you in the light. Alright? Uh, God, God wants you to go forward, not backwards. Amen? Alright.
Stand with me together if you would. And we're going to get out of here by 12 o'clock. Amen. Eat your heart out, Brother Case. I know he's watching this. He don't think I can do it, but I can't ever watch no wrong. I love to tell the story. Twill be my theme in glory to